Okay, so this will be our final uh, Bible study. Over the past uh, four days, we've been very busy. We gave out, we think, 3,000 tracts or thereabouts. And we spoke to many people, did a bit of street preaching, went to John Calvin's uh, church, did a video there. But the whole purpose of this week was to get the word of God out, to try and win souls to the Lord, to plant seeds. It's been a great week of friendship, fellowship, and hopefully soul winning. So let's take a look at Colossians chapter 3, please. And uh, as I said, this will be the final study of this week, number 4. And it's been a privilege to do 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, 1 John, no, 2 John I should say, 3 John with a quick uh, look at First John to get a helpful understanding of Second and Third John. But I was reading Colossians this morning, and I thought this would be appropriate for our final get together. And I will say this: that what we've done this week is somewhat unusual. Most people wouldn't clear a week out of their busy schedules, travel to a foreign country, purchase tracks, stand on street corners for ten hours in the snow, in the rain, have people rip up tracks. Have people wave their fists at you and then return home, pray for such people and rejoice in what we've been able to do. So it's been a great week, as I say, of outreach work. And we pray the Lord will bless the tracks and all we've done for him. But it says in Colossians 3, verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. If you've been risen with Christ... If you've been saved, if you've been redeemed, seek those things which are above. In other words, don't be worldly. Make your life count. If you are saved, you should be wanting to leave this earth with a legacy. It could be you're able to distribute 100 tracks a week, 50 tracks a week, 25 tracks a week. Maybe you could do 1,000 a week. Maybe you could speak to 20 people a week or 100 people a week. Or just five people a week. But here it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, which of course you were when you were born again, you're already reigning with him from Ephesians 2 in a spiritual sense. Seek those things which are above. Christ will tell you to lay up treasure in heaven. He would tell you to seek the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He's seated at the right hand of God. And he won't come back until it's time for the rapture. And I know some people think that they've seen Christ, and uh, certain people think they've seen angels, and, and certain people think they have been to heaven and back. I don't believe that. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And you were told in verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Separation. You were told if you love the world, the love of the Father would not be in you. You can appreciate certain parts of the world, of course. If you are in love with the world, something's wrong. Set your affection, set your focus, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. That's why we just spent a week in Switzerland. On our first day here, Patrick almost got arrested. He saw a group of communists preaching outside an apostate church. And the Holy Spirit got a hold of him. And he started to preach to them all. And there was absolute silence for maybe... A minute or two, the police approached him, detained him, took his name and address, and then he was allowed to go. His affection, his focus, was on things above. His focus, his affection, was on that group 
of communists chanting slogans, holding up communist banners, holding up pictures of Joseph Stalin. Set your affection on things above. Be a soul winner, not on things on the earth. It's so easy to sit at home watching television. It's so easy to go to sport events. It's so easy to do what you want to do. It can be hard in the flesh to put a 12-hour day aside for four days to travel to a foreign country and do what we've done. It's not easy. You're standing around for long periods of time. You're battling the elements, but it's so rewarding. We've given out 3,000 tracks this week, as I've already said, and if just 30 people get saved as a result of that, what a great blessing. If just three people get saved as a result of that, what a great blessing. If just three people come back into fellowship with the Lord as a result of backsliding, it's been a great achievement. But these verses, as far as I'm concerned, are already aimed at those which are saved, those which want to do something for the Lord. Going to church is all very well. Uh, reading a Bible is all very well. But there's something altogether different when it comes to speaking to people, pressing the flesh, sharing your testimony. And I was speaking to a lady just yesterday, and she's trained to be a female pastor. And I told her it's not prohibited, it's not allowed. Well, it's prohibited, I should say, it's not allowed. And I said to her that you need to be warning people about the coming judgments. And I asked her to explain to me how would she witness to me if I had 30 seconds to live. And it was somewhat pitiful. But in essence, she was doing what's called the seeker-friendly approach. She wanted to be friendly with people. She wanted to build up a rapport with people. She wanted to be their buddy. And I said to her, you need to warn people. And she said to me, well, I don't want to judge anybody. It's not my place to judge. I said, well, listen, you were told to judge. John 7, Revelation 2. And I said to her, you need to warn people about the coming judgment about hell. Oh, it's too negative, she said. You mustn't do that. So I said to her, what about these adverts I see uh, put out by governments? Smoking kills, graphic photograph of a person dying of cancer, blood and guts almost. This is in the UK anyway, may not be the same overseas, but in the UK they put graphic photographs, warning people, smoking kills, drink wisely, too much drinking is bad for you. No one says to the government you're being too negative, no one tells the government to water it down, the government are warning you that smoking kills, well I'm warning you that sinning kills, if you sin and never repent. If you sin and die in your sins, you'll go to hell forever and you'll burn. That's loving. In fact, if you were to purchase a house and not get insurance for that house, and I thought you lived in a pretty dangerous area, maybe you, the area was prone to flooding or bushfires or what have you, if I didn't warn you that you were living in a dangerous area, I wouldn't be much of a friend, would I? But I don't think you need to be too worried about warning people about the coming judgments, about hell, so on and so forth. But one last time from two, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. This is also a commandment. This is not a suggestion. And yes, Paul does list commandments to Christians under grace. You're saved and kept saved by grace, but you are expected and you are empowered to live a certain way. People say, well, I'm just, you know, a filthy reprobate. Yes, you are. And I'm nothing special. No, you're not. And I can't do this. Yes, you can. You have the power to live holy. You have the power to be an overcomer. In fact, Paul will tell you, he can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth him. That's powerful. There's no excuse to be slothful. There's no excuse to be lazy. There's no excuse to be indifferent. But it is tough on the flesh. It takes time to work. It takes time to put the old man to death. In fact, look at verse 3, please. 
for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Positionally, you are dead. Positionally, you're buried. You were told in Romans 6 that you were buried with Christ, that you were resurrected with Christ. And that goes back to what I said a few moments ago, how we are already in heaven in a spiritual sense right now. So you can't really hold to conditional security while at the same time affirming that you're in heaven. It's kind of ridiculous to hold such a view. And yet I'm sad to say that most Christians, around 90% of Christians, believe you can lose it. And that's tragic. But it says, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. You are positionally perfect. You are in heaven, as I say, and you are hid with Christ in God. It's like you have a covering you are in Christ, you're in the body of Christ, and you are told that we are his members, which means when people see us, they see Christ in us. If you are a street preacher, if you are giving out tracts, if you are offering yourself as a saved man or woman to people, they see Christ in you. I don't quite understand that, but he is living in us. We are his representatives, we are his ambassadors. So we are hid with Christ in God. God was in Christ Reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus meaning Emmanuel, God with us. He got God in Christ and he got us hid with Christ in God. That's pretty solid. Double security. In fact, we were told in John 10 that we are in the hand of the Lord, Jesus Christ. And also we were told in Isaiah that we're in the hands of the Father. So we are in God's hand and we are in Christ's hand. Double security. And yet, as I say, some people think you can lose it, which is impossible. You can lose your testimony. And I spoke about that last time. And you can, use your, you can lose your rewards. And I spoke about that last time. But you can't lose your salvation. But look at verse 4, please. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Christ should be your life. He should be your Lord. He's certainly your Savior, if you're saved. And people say that if you don't hold to lordship salvation, that you don't think Christ is your Lord. That's foolish. Of course he's our Lord. He's the centre of our world. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, rapture, not the revelation, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now listen to this. We are born again. A little group here this morning. And according to the word of God, we are in heaven in a spiritual sense. But when the rapture comes, First Thessalonians 4 Revelation 4, we go straight to be with the Lord. Revelation 4 to Revelation 19, the Lord is dealing with Jewry, Israel. He's dealing with the world. Hence why the church, or any church, the seven churches in Revelation, is not mentioned. And I think this is a great scripture for the pre-trib rapture, which isn't my theme for this morning. But it says, when he comes back, we come back with him in glory. Now, if we hold to the mid-trib rapture, or the post-trib rapture, which I'm afraid to say is getting more uh, ground, it's getting more you know, coverage, it's getting more attention, then ask yourself this. How can we come back with Christ if he's coming back for the church? If he's coming back for the church at the end of the tribulation, how can we come back with him at the end of the tribulation? It doesn't make any sense. But if we were raptured before the tribulation and we have the judgment seats in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven then it makes sense that we come back with him at the end of the tribulation because we are with him during the tribulation to rule and reign for a thousand years. And that is so simple. It's elementary. But for some people, they just can't get that. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, we get everlasting life the moment we are saved. 
He told you that you needed to abide in him. For without me you can do nothing. And that's true. What we don't want to do is do works like this. Outreach in the flesh. It's so easy. You get up in the morning. You get dressed. And if you like me running around trying to do 20 things at once. Straight onto the streets. If you haven't prayed. If you haven't prepared yourself. You're in the flesh. And that is dangerous. Because the flesh is weak. And on top of that the devil's going to come at you. And hit you for six. He's going to knock you flat on your back. And I know, I speak from experience. You've got to go out in the spirit, not in the flesh. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye, all of you, also appear with him in glory. I think these four verses are wonderful to read today and to meditate upon this morning before we pack up and go back to our countries because as far as I am concerned, we are here for a purpose. We are here to win souls to the Lord. In fact, I will say this, that if you're born again, if you're able to walk and talk, if you're able to, uh, to communicate, there's something left for you to do. And that word of God from uh, Proverbs 11, he that winneth souls is wise, is a great scripture to meditate on. I like to think when we leave Switzerland later today, we will leave Switzerland in a better place, potentially. I mean, 3,000 tracks, half a dozen DVDs, the banner's seen by perhaps five to 10,000 people, maybe more, uh, street preaching, a Bible study outside Calvin's church, but just being on the streets of Switzerland for three clear days. Of course, we lost the first day arriving and we'll lose the last day traveling home. I like to think we've left this country in a better state when we found it. People might say, well, where's the results? Have you had any feedback? Has anybody contacted you? Well, that's not really the issue. The issue is, did we bring the truth here? Did we come in the spirit of meekness of Christ? to become with the power of the Holy Spirit. If we were faithful, then we've done our work. If we came ill-prepared, if we didn't bring the truth with us, then I guess there'd be a case to argue that it's been in vain. But I don't think so. I think we came in the right spirit, and I think the Lord has blessed what we've done, and I'm very pleased about that. But look at verse 24. Knowing that of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. You are chosen for service. You are expected to be a servant of the king. And most modern Bibles will call you a slave. But the King James calls you a servant, which is slightly a notch up from a slave. But more importantly, we are a royal priesthood. We're kings and priests unto the Lord. We are brethren of the Lord. We are co-heirs with the Lord. We can call Christ our older brother. So we're not just slaves we are servants, but we're much more than servants. Look at 25. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. If you don't do what you are expected to do as a saved man or woman, there are consequences. And I do hold to the fact that it's quite plausible for saved people to arrive in judgment, like the judgment seat of Christ, and be chastised for not doing what they should have done. I think one of the awful realities is that most of us will be judged for what we did not do. Not for what we did do. When we sin the flesh, we are chastised. In fact, you were told in Hebrews that if you're not chastised, there's a chance that you're a bastard. There's a chance you're illegitimate. So if you are offering yourself as a Christian and you're living for yourself and you're living for the flesh and you're not being chastised, then perhaps you're not saved. But if you are saved, you know what that feels like to be chastised by the Lord. 
But I do take the view that some people, like 25 for example, will arrive in eternity, saved of course by the precious blood of the Lamb, but they lived after their own uh, will, they did their own thing, and they are going to be physically chastised in eternity. That of course doesn't have to be the case if you are in sin, if you're saved, turn from it. There's no need for you to be entertaining sin. Look at 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That's the key. To the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Do you thank the Lord for your salvation? Do you thank him for the food that you eat? For the legs that carry you around? For the eyes that allow you to see? Or the ears that allow you to hear? I mean, just primitive stuff here. How often do we thank the Lord for these things? 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You want a clear conscience? Do that. You want some peace and joy? Do that. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. What a great scripture. Whatever you do, in word or deed, first we'll do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when you pray, pray in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I give him thanks for this week. I give him thanks we got here safely, that we will leave here safely. I give him thanks that we've enjoyed ourselves. I give him thanks that we've had great fellowship, friendship and outreach. I'm very grateful I'm glad he saved me 14 years ago. He didn't have to save me, but he saved me for service and he transformed my life from within. He takes dead men and makes them alive from within. So these verses really are wonderful to look at today and to be thankful for and to be very much appreciative of. But it says also in Colossians 2, 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Oh yeah. We have those people pretty much everywhere. Preaching vain philosophy. And vain deceit. I think of John Calvin for example. Very much in the bondage of tradition. Going back to Augustine. After the rudiments of the world. And not after Christ. I've spoken about six people this week. And uh, I think five of the six are unsaved. And five of the six are very much caught up with this vain deceit, pointless philosophy, which comes from men and not Christ. Very dangerous. You might think you have the truth. You might be doing whatever you do and saying to yourself, but it works for me. But if it's not Christ-centered, you're in trouble. Nine, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. A great text to show your JW friends. For in him Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When he spoke, when he operated, when he said and did what he did, he was very much reflecting the Father's nature. But no man has seen the Father at any time. So when Christ appeared on the earth, you got a glimpse of God the Son, but very much operating in the person of God the Father. Godhead, Trinity, and on top of that, he came very much in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 10, please. And ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein 
also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. What a great scripture. You are complete in him. You are thoroughly furnished unto all good things in him. You are completely safe, exonerated, justified in him, which is the head of all principality and power. He's the top noncho, if you will. He's the king of kings, lord of lords, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Spiritual, of course, not physical, which is a new birth. You can't save yourselves. It's a divine act of God, but you are expected to believe on the Lord in order to be saved. But the new birth itself is of God, not man, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Completely supernatural. Buried with him in baptism. Spiritual, not physical. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, past tense, who hath raised him from the dead in a physical sense. 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You are totally exonerated, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. He buried the law, he fulfilled the law, he abolished the law. The law kills, remember, but grace gives you life. 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, devils, unclean spirits, and so forth, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He declared victory to the unclean spirits. He went into the ground for three days. He went into hell itself, not to be tortured, not to be uh, condemned, not to be born again, such as heresy. But he went into the ground, he went into hell itself, to first of all, to set the righteous free, and also to preach victory to principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, and he triumphed over them, made it very clear to them that he'd overcome death. And when, when he was in hell, he set captivity captive because those that died pre-Christ couldn't go straight to heaven because Christ hadn't gone to heaven Christ hadn't yet paid for their sins so they went to the ground Sheol, Hades one hell but two sections uh, which made up hell one for the righteous one for the unrighteous he goes into hell he preaches victory to the captives and he sets captivity captive he goes up to heaven on the third day and takes the righteous with him but the unrighteous like Herod the Great Pharaoh and uh, some of the others going back to the Old Testament are still in hell to this present. Hitler, of course, Stalin. But we always pick on the bogeymen. We always go after the really awful people. Um, even Nimrod, going back to Genesis. But how about just your average mother or father, brother or sister, uncle or aunt, daughter or son? I mean, it's not just going to be the awful people in hell like Joseph Stalin, who Patrick preached against on Monday. We know he's in hell. We know Hitler's in hell. Those guys hated Christ. They didn't want to be with Christ. But how about just everyday people? People in this town that we'll be leaving. Could be the guy in the reception desk. He's been very helpful to us, very polite to us. We'll give him a tract when we leave. It's going to be everyday people. And some folks say, you mean to tell me that poor woman over there is going to go to hell forever? You mean to tell me that poor man over there is going to go to hell forever? Well, yes, because that poor old man wasn't always an old man. That old man may have been a concentration camp guard. That poor old woman may have been an abortionist. We see people in the flesh, but the word of God tells us that God looks at the heart. Whereas we look at the outward appearance. And sometimes we can be so easily deceived by that nice old woman or that nice old man. But they weren't always old. They weren't always nice old men or women. And yes, they are going to go to hell if they don't turn to Christ. They're going to burn. And I've spoken to about three people this past week. And I've told them that very thing. You're going to burn. 
without Christ. You're going to burn forever. I don't get any pleasure saying that. My own family aren't saved. But I can't compromise on this. I can't say, well, Christ has a great plan for you. You know, He's going to let you, let you go to heaven even, even if you don't believe on him. That's heresy. But here, Christ went into the ground. He set captivity captive. He made a show of them. And now you are complete in Christ. What a great scripture to end on. You are complete in Christ. You are safe in Christ. He is the captain of your salvation. It's his responsibility to get you saved, to keep you saved. But it's your responsibility as a saved man or woman to live for him. You have the power to live for him. You have the power to be holy. You have the power and the privilege to serve him. And if you serve him, I promise you your life will be forever changed. You will have a great spring in your step. You'll be rejoicing. You'll be thankful that he saved you. You'll be very much worshipping him in spirit and in truth. And as and when you grow as a Christian, you'll be witnessing to people, trying to get them saved, trying to ground them in the word of God. And you'll want a legacy when you leave this earth. But above all, you do what you do because you are saved, not to get saved and not to stay saved. You serve him because you love him. You serve him because he done, he's done so much for us. He came to the earth, he lived the life that we could never live, and from conception to crucifixion, he paid such a heavy price for us. So the least we can do is serve him. But one last time, works won't save you. It's all about grace, God's righteousness, at Christ's expense. And I hope this has been uh, a blessing to you all. And uh, thank you for your fellowship and friendship this week. And uh, may the Lord bless all that we've done this week.